0: list of what should you never do on a first date, right? What you should never do on a first date. Number 10, offer unwanted life advice, right? <laughs> That's number 10. Number 9, turn up late, right? Turning up late is terrible. Number 8, refusing to go for the check, right? So not even, you know, I think for us, a lot of people, we fake it, right? A little bit, but not even, not even going for it when it goes by, The next one, being rude to the staff, right? And it it goes on and on. But the number one one, uh, thing of what you should never do on a first date is checking your phone while the other person is talking. Checking your phone while the other person is talking. And I think we can all kind of agree with that sentiment, right? We can all kind of understand that. Because I know, at least for myself, when I'm in a meeting, when I'm with a group of friends and I'm talking and and someone is distracted, when someone is on their phone, when someone is not paying attention, oh, that grinds my gears, right? Doesn't that, doesn't that, we can all agree with that, right? And the question is why? Why does that feeling of being ignored so, I don't know, just do something to us? You know, I, I was looking at the comments section of this, and because the comments are always gold, and they said that, um, one of the commenters said that the, The reason why being ignored is so hurtful is because you're essentially saying to the other person that you're not worth it, that you're just not worth my time, that you're not worth my uh, attention. You know, psychologists say that we base our identity on our self-worth, that we base it on how significant or insignificant we think we are. And so when we look in the mirror, and we look at ourselves or when we look at what another person has and we compare it to ourselves, and that feeling of comparison, that feeling of judgment that we put on ourselves, man, that has such huge impacts on our lives because that is the definition of our identity. You know, the word identity, it literally means to be the same, to be the same in all situations, to be the same in all circumstances, to have this core set of values and goals that stick with you throughout. And I think that, honestly, for this generation, for this modern age, that has become so much more difficult than it was before. And the reason why I think this way is because our identity has started to shift more and more, has changed again and again because what used to be our vocation is now a series of jobs. What used to be a family is now a series of living arrangements. And what used to be a religion is now a series of books about stress or meditation techniques. And so no wonder we struggle with self-worth, because there's nothing constant in our lives. There's nothing that stays still for us, We're constantly shifting again and again. And so for us, when we look in the mirror and we look at other things, our identity that was supposed to be stable is constantly shifting. And so no wonder there's no peace and stability in our lives. You know, Psalm 8 here, it's this beautiful prayer of praise to the Lord. And we don't really know what David is going through at this time. We don't really know what he had gone through when he wrote this, but what we do know is that before and after this psalm, that all the psalms before, that most of the psalms right before and most of the psalms right after were all prayers of desperation. These were prayers of guilt, of sin, of things that he was going through, and yet, even within the midst of that, even with him dealing with these things of guilt and of shame and of, of self-worth and him wondering what his true identity is in that time, in Psalm 8, he gives a praise of glory to the Lord. How is he able to do that? How is he able in the midst of all of that stuff and all of that distraction and all of that guilt and all of that self-worth, still able to look upon the Lord and say, God, you are so majestic. You are so good. And I thank you and I love you that you love me. And it's because his identity is not based upon what the world says, but upon what the Bible here says. And so what I want us to look at today is see what is our identity based on what the world says and what is our identity based on with what the Bible says and at the end I want you guys to choose which one you believe you know Bertrand Russell he was asked uh, he's this uh, famous secular philosopher he was asked if there is no God if there if we were all accidents then are we significant is anything that we do really uh, th- does anything that we do really matter and his answer was, no, it doesn't. It doesn't matter because, you know what, we are, we're accidents and, and everything that we do up until our death is, doesn't really matter. You know, this culture that we live in, it shapes our identity, whether you want it to or not. It shapes kind of how we view life. It shapes the way that we move and the way that we act. And this culture here, this type of secular and this type of accidental mindset, is still prevalent in all that we learn and all that we talk with. And so, what the culture says and what the world says is that if we are accidents, then identity isn't who you are because who you are doesn't matter. It's what you have. What you have is what matters. And so, for us, a lot of times, we get defined by our possessions. We get defined by what we can accomplish, by the things that we can get. we get um, wanting these things, we want uh, our possessions, we want a house, we want a car, we want someone that loves us, and because if we have those things, then we think that they will satisfy. But what's interesting is that when you base your identity around your possessions, you'll soon realize that, you'll, that, you, won't, that you won't have any identity to begin with. Because when you're willing to lose yourself in order to get what you want, then that set core of values, that set core of goals that stuck with you, that was really deep inside of you, you're willing to give that up in order to get your possessions. That thing that you want so badly, you're willing to forego all the things that kept you stable in order for you to get that one thing. And so the identity that you used to base yourself on slowly disappears because you're willing to base your identity upon your possessions. And one day you're gonna realize that none of those things will satisfy you. That there is no love that a person can give that will satisfy you. There's no possession in this world that will ever satisfy you because the only thing in this world that will ever satisfy you is God. Because there's a God-shaped hole in your heart and yet we are trying to fill it with all of the possessions, with all of the different loves of this world. But what's interesting is that in our generation now, too, what's happened is that there is a shift in our identity, that there is a shift that's happened. Because for a lot of us, we stopped believing in that. We said, okay, you know what, that's not really true. I don't really think about the external things. Because you know what, I think that what's internal is most important. That you know what, my, my feelings and my thoughts, you know what, those things are what is most important. That when I look at my deepest Feeling That when I look at my deepest thought, then that's the truth. That's my identity. And I can't tell you how many people that I have talked to that believe this. They say, you know what, I believe what's true because my feelings, my gut, is telling me that's true. And you know what, you believe what you believe is true. Because if, you, if that's what your gut feeling is, then you know what, that's, that's the truth for you. I've met so many people that way. But the interesting thing is, that they are making a dangerous assumption. And that assumption is that in the very core of who you are, then the very depths of you, is this steady stream of thoughts and feelings that do not change. But guess what? Ten years ago, when you think back on your life ten years ago, were you the same person that you were then? Did you have the same thoughts and feelings that you did then? Absolutely not. When I look back at myself ten years, I want to hit myself, right? And I know that when I look in another ten years, I'm probably going to want to hit myself right now too, because my thoughts and my feelings are constantly changing. They're constantly shifting. My friend, I remember he had. He would always tell me, he said, "I want to focus on my career, man, Danny. I, I want to focus on my job. I want to get a promotion. Say, okay, that's fine. That's good." And in, a month later i meet him he's dating someone he's saying you know what I, I think i think family i think i want to focus on family i think that's kind of where i want to head towards that's what that's what i want to do and that's kind of where my heart is i, I think that this may be it i said okay well if that's if that's <laughs> if, if family is what you want the next month he comes to me crying he goes no, no i this, i don't forget girls i'm going to focus on my career because my career is where where i really belong you know, i i knew that my promotion was right i knew And it keeps on going, again and again and again. This is what happens. What's your true feeling? What's your true thought? When we focus, when we base our identity on our true feeling, on our true thought, on that internal aspect, we will constantly be up and down. We will constantly be pulled in two different directions. And when we base our identity on the things of this world, on the possessions, on the loves that we can find, on these different things, we will always be left empty because they will never be truly able to satisfy. There is an emptiness that we will always face when we are trying to go for those things, on the external and on the internal. We see the Bible, it says something completely different because what the bible says our identity is not is not psychological is not mental is not emotional is not any of those things it's theological because your identity is based on who you serve and what you worship psalm 8 says that the more you realize the glory and majesty of god the more you understand the glory and honor of the individual self. Those two things are completely linked together. Those two things are intertwined. You know, the world, it says that we are accidents. But Christianity says that we are valuable and precious. And it's not that we are valuable and precious just because. But it says that we are valuable and precious because of something that God has given us. And that thing is in verse 5. It says that we were made a little lower than heavenly beings. We were crowned with glory and honor. You know, in Genesis, it says that we were made in the image of God. And this was a distinction that was only given to man. When you think of a, a pond, even if it's murky and a bit dark, you can still see your reflection in it a little bit. But when you look in a mirror, you see your reflection. You see a true reflection there. When God created nature, nature, that is the pond. Yes, it reflects God's glory to a point, but it is still murky, it is still dark. But we, brothers and sisters, we're mirrors. We reflect God's glory. We are the crown of his creation. We are it for for what he has created on this earth. He has created us with personality, with rationality, with humor, with all of these things so that we can reflect God's glory in the most and the greatest amount possible. That is what he has done. You know, there was this famous story of a child psychologist. And he was brought into this um, elementary school because there was a student, this young boy, who had run away every chance he got, he would just run. And every time that they would bring him back, the minute that they would take their eyes off of him, he would run again. And so they didn't know what to do, and so they brought this child psychologist in. And as they were discussing, this child psychologist was discussing what to do, and he was interviewing the parents, he interviewed the child, he interviewed the, the student, and all of the faculty and staff. Finally, he came up to the faculty and he said, The next time the child, that boy, runs away, don't chase him. Don't chase him. Just let him go. Just keep on doing what you're doing. Don't stop any activities. Don't stop your class. Just let him run away, and let's just see what happens. And so the next time that student ran, no one did anything. And 10 minutes later, that child came back in, sat down, and he never ran away again. You know, the the psychologist, he said, we have a desperate need to be noticed. Whether that's good attention or bad attention, we need to fill people's minds. We need to know that someone is thinking of us. There's nothing worse than going away and realizing nobody missed you. But guess what? The only mind that matters is filled with you. The greatest mind in the universe is thinking about you. He cares for you so much. And just like an artist pours over their art, God pours over you. You are his ultimate creation. You are the crown of his creation. It says, what is man that you are mindful of him, that you care for him, The greatest mind in the universe is mindful of you. And until you realize that, until that is deep inside of you, then you will never truly understand your own self-worth. But I think for a lot of us, we can believe this, but even if you believe this, it's still hard to really accept it. Because for a lot of us, man, we messed up. For a lot of us, we did a lot of Bad things, a lot of past regrets, a lot of mistakes, and so for us, we can say, you know what? Yeah, I believe that we are uh, we are the crown of His creation to a point. I can believe that He thinks about me to a point. But man, Danny, if you know if you knew about my past mistakes, I don't know if He would consider me valuable. I don't really know if He would be considered if I would be considered precious in His eyes. You know, in Hebrews 2, it quotes Psalm chapter 8. And it says this, What is man that you are mindful of him, that you care for him? You made him a little lower than angels, crowned with glory and honor, and put everything under his feet. But then it goes on to say this, But we do not see everything under our feet. But we do see Jesus who was made lower than the angels, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death. So, by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. And so, when we look at ourselves and we try to compare ourselves to what is valuable, to what is precious, and we say, I don't think I can stand before God. I don't think I can stand before God and say, you know what, I am still valuable and, cre- and, and precious in the crown of his creation. That's okay, you don't have to. Because Jesus has taken your place in that way. He has taken your place in those sins. Because Jesus took our place, and so all we have to do is believe in him. And when we believe in him, he is the one who makes us valuable because of what he did for us. You know, God, he deals with evil. He deals with all of these bad things in our life in this world with the complete opposite mindset of what we could imagine. He uses the very weak. He uses the very poor. He uses the unwanted woman. He uses the forgotten son. He uses the rejected and the lost. And at the very end, and finally, he uses his own son, Jesus Christ, to come down to earth as a baby, born in a manger. Grown up as a carpenter. Instead of taking power, he gives his power. And because of that, and because of that, we are able to live and we are able to be with the Lord. Why did Jesus do that? Because he cares for us. Because he loves us. Because his his mind is filled with us. And So what does this mean for us? What does this mean for us? You know, the vision of our church, the vision of our church is, is to reach for the lost. And that means we pour all of our resources, we pour everything that we have towards the foreign missions, towards outside the walls here. But my challenge for you today, my challenge for you right now, is that before we look outside Are you pouring into, are you really caring for those people inside the walls here? Are you looking after the rejected and the lost? Are you really looking after those who are neglected and ignored inside our church walls right now? Or are you comfortable being with your own group? Are you comfortable being with your own group of friends and the things that you're comfortable with in your own bubble? And that's my challenge for you today. And I believe that this is a challenge that God is placing in our hearts right now. Man, we need to look first upon our brothers and sisters and look and really invest in one another. And when we are able to invest in one another, we can look outside and invest even more towards those out who are lost. You see, we can't understand the majesty of God and also ignore one another. We can't understand the majesty of God and yet still care for one another. We have to do both those things well. You know, C.S. Lewis in his book, The Weight of Glory, he says that there are no ordinary people. He says, you have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilizations, these are immortals. But it is immortals whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub, and exploit. These are immortal horrors or everlasting splendors. So love one another. Cherish one another. You are surrounded by the most extraordinary people, not because of anything we have done or accomplished, but because of what Jesus did for us. Amen. Let's pray. This is the truth of the gospel. This is the truth of what Jesus is saying to us right now. And I believe that for a lot of us, we are struggling with our self-worth. For a lot of us, we struggle with our self-image, of of our self-esteem, of whether we're worthy, of whether we're worth it. And we allow the world to dictate our life. We allow the world to tell us whether we are significant or insignificant. And so for a lot of us, we go up and down with our possessions, with how we feel, with all these things. We are constantly up and down because we rely upon this world to give us our worth. But I want to tell you today, I want to tell you right now that your worth is not based upon this world. That your worth is not based upon your possessions. Your worth is not based upon what you see in the mirror. Your worth is based upon what Jesus Christ did for you. And he has saved our souls, he has died on the cross, and he has risen again. And because of that, we are valuable, we are worthy. And the greatest mind in the universe, the mind that matters, his mind is filled with you. He cares for you. He loves you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? So now, if we could just take just a couple minutes and reflect on that word, is is that your identity? What is your identity? What will you base your self-worth on? Will it be on the world or will it be on who God is? So let's pray.